0: First up, he's the champion jockey once again. Brian Hughes, unlucky yesterday, in the winners' enclosure today. Cloudy Dream draws away to win the future champion novices chase. For it being, for Brian Hughes and Brian Ellison, who wins the Bonnets Garden, Old Road. Honda draw for Ruth Jefferson, under Brian Hughes, wins the feature. Late Newland has won the many Fair Bareback Jack in front, leading by two or three lengths and win. Midella Drava wins the Patrick Coimemorial outcast. It is three to home! He's made it! 200 for Brian Hughes! How are you feeling this morning? Tired, Nick, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> has, it been, has it been the most demanding season on you so far?
1: Yeah, probably has, to be fair. Um, mentally as well as physically, I'd say. Uh, but you feel centered. You feel you feel strong mentally. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's probably with years of experience and dealing with things. Yeah, you yeah, um, definitely feel more centered now. Yeah. And is
0: there more of a depth of satisfaction to winning the championship because you've won it back, having not let it go, but Got you beaten, didn't win yeah. it last year? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that was just uh, more fire in my belly than ever before. Just to, you know. You know, you don't like, no one likes losing at anything. And when I got beat last year, as I said, it wasn't because Harry beat me, it was just that I got beaten. So I had, um, yeah, I wanted to win it back.
0: And I I sort of hadn't really given as much credit to that as I should have done until I spoke to you earlier in the week and realised how much that had kind of itched you last year. Were you sort of
1: thinking, oh my God, was I a one-hit wonder? Was that it, one and out? Yeah, I kind of didn't want to be known as that. Um, Obviously when one of the first time season stopped early and I was obviously in front of Dickie um, in Winners. Um, and then, you know, I-, I wanted to prove that I could see it to the end of the season. And then obviously last year was hugely frustrating. So, uh, yeah, I'd, um, I-, I wanted to make sure that it didn't happen again.
0: OK, so how have you made it all work? How have you got to this position where you've got this stranglehold on the, on the jockey's championship and just everything is working so well and efficiently for you?
1: Well, I suppose I mean, obviously, firstly Donald's horses were running brilliant, and like his owners have all reinvested, so we just you know wanted to make the most of every opportunity I got, and um, I mean I've never turned down any any horse that had a, a glimmer of a hope of winning the race. I I wanted to be riding it.
0: I'm fascinated by the relationship between you and Donald McCain. Uh, he's a, a an intense, interesting, complicated, talented man and
1: you and he seem to have gelled very well why do you think that is see i don't i don't look i don't see all that from donald i just see the man but yeah um yeah look i I, obviously i I know what he wants and he knows how i ride so we've sort of had to over the years sort of give and take a little bit but the reality is we both want the same thing we want winners so um yeah it it, it works well because I know if I'm riding a horse, regardless of what he said, how to ride it, if it's not working, I can change stuff, and I know that he'll stand behind me. As most of my trainers do, to be fair, because you're doing it with the best intentions to ride the winner of the race.
0: Because you are are generally known as a a quiet rider, a quite patient rider, and that can sometimes incur people's wrath, can't it, if they think you've... You know, you've left one too late, or you haven't really given it the the maximum. It hasn't really looked to the eye as though you've you've really mucked it out. But I, I guess one of your strengths is that you've you've never wavered from your belief in that style of doing things.
1: No, I think that's who I am. Really, it's just how like going back then, I was starting out with Kevin Prendergast. That's sort of that stuff it, when you learn it's instilled in you from a young age. That, you know, and, and that's your style of riding and. Um, I can only ride like me. I can't ride like A.P. McCoy or Richard Johnson. So, uh, you know, I've stuck to that, you know. Have you ever tried to change your game a a bit or not? I remember when I first came to Howard Johnson's and um, obviously been watching A.P. and Richard Dunwoody and Tony Dobbin or the Northern Ireland jockeys that sort of you'd always look up to. It's a decent group from a p- yeah, pretty small, f- small country, yeah, isn't it? absolutely. And um, I remember one morning on the schooling ground in Howard's, um, I would be giving Graeme Lee and Alan Dempsey a lead over fences on an old horse. And um, I remember Howard ringing my agent and says, don't get that lad up any rides over fences because he'll kill himself. Because I was just sending these things down to the fence and, and the horses would, would respond and they'd be standing up outside the wings and really attacking the jumps because, you know, that's, mm. you know... Um, I soon realized that that wasn't my riding style and and uh, I had to just let you know calm it all down a bit So you you were sort of trying to do it on Woody or a McCaw, Well you look at AP and stuff and, and Dickie and, and the lads and yeah, they'd be very you know um, But yeah, I, I soon realized I couldn't do that
0: Did you did you watch them and wonder how they how they did do what they did in a different way?
1: Yeah, I mean that's sort of when you're getting into this sport as a young jockey you, you, you do you watch all the the good jockeys that you know the older lads and and you just think well how can i sort of shoehorn that into my style and you know i like what they do i like what he does you know and, and just sort of take bits from everybody really but i suppose what unifies and I'm, we're going to talk to dave robertson in, in a little while but I,
0: I suppose what unifies you and johnson and mccoy is just that focus that focus on the pursuit of winners um,
1: when did that really kick in for you so I've always had it really um, ever since you know you, you ride your first winner you get that feeling and it's just there's no feeling like it um, and it, it's like anything else the more winners you have the more you want you get greedier and greedier and it's just yeah and then you know obviously when you're in this position you just don't want to be not in this position you want to be champion jockey mm. And I had an interesting chat with AP yesterday, and yeah, it's just you know, he said, you know, it's you, you torture yourself because you want to be there, and you know, you just you love to have that torture because it's hunger. You want, you know, you just want to be the best you can be. I mean, but he he almost made a virtue of of
0: that and has talked quite openly about it being an almost masochistic pursuit. I don't see you quite in. In that bracket, or are you, or do you really put yourself through that much mental strain and anguish?
1: I suppose I'm a bit more reserved than that, but um, I, I would, yeah, I'd torture myself. But uh, like within rather if I've left a winner behind, if I feel I've left a winner behind, mm. yeah, that's worse than any any um, trainer giving off to me or whatever. You know, if I know I've left one behind, that hurts more than anything. Okay, can you? close the door when you get home and forget about it I can now years ago when I was a lot younger I, 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 you'd struggle with it for days but I suppose since getting married and having the kids and stuff they put a bit more perspective in your life so yeah I, I can deal with it a lot better now so you can compartmentalize a little oh, bit absolutely, more yeah
0: but actually it's probably all still going on in
1: yeah it's still there yeah, it'll still irk yeah, a couple of you know if you know I've left that one behind or that could have gone better or, yeah you mentioned starting out with
0: Kevin Prendergast. This is something we've talked about in, in interviews a little bit before, and the sort of grounding that gave you and, and the extent to which it made you the, the man and the jockey you are today. How big a part do
1: you think that played? Massively, really, because obviously when you're a young kid getting into racing or in the, coming out of the racing centres or whatever, you know, you think you know it all, really. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a tough school, but, you know, it, it put manners on us in the right way kevis we worked hard but we got rewarded w- with rides and you know we were nurtured along Um and as I say it was a good school for young jockeys to go to because I feel it's definitely put me like on the right path you know you weren't going to get anywhere without working hard like we worked like we had to work hard but again we were rewarded for it and I look back now and you know at the time I thought oh this is torture but yeah. you know look back <laughs> now and, and it wasn't it I didn't actually realize how good a trainer he actually was and and what he was doing for us you know but did you feel now looking back on it that he was thinking about developing your career that it was an apprenticeship in the truest sense of the word absolutely yeah and 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 developing me as a person as well like you know it is it, you know when you're young you don't see that sort of side of things you know you're just thinking oh he's he's being hard on me and this and that but no it, looking back he, he definitely um he was moulding me to, you know, to, to the to for life as well as a jockey. When you moved to, to the UK, was there an obvious place
0: for you to go, or were you coming here more in hope than expectation?
1: No, um, obviously I, I'm 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 very good friends with the Orion family. Um, obviously Kevin and uh, but Bobby and Sheila and Kevin and, and Aiden, and um, obviously um, I used to right out on a lunchtime after Kevin's uh, in-bought for Bobby, um, with all the yearlings and stuff. Um, and it, Kevin was my agent, and he somehow mani- managed to get me on a, a winning ride for Jim Bulger uh, one one weekend. And do you, um, do you believe that's his finest achievement? It must be. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he um, Howard happened to see it and was chatting to... Bobby about something, and he said, "Oh, that lad rode away all your yearlings from last year, and that was the link." And then, um, yeah. So when I was sort of when the it got too much for the weight to do the weight on the flat, I I had the job at Howard's. In, instantaneously, really true, mm-hmm. true, Bobby. Um, how was Howard Johnson to ride for? Um, yeah, it was different. <laughs> um, not so much to ride for, but um, you know, a culture shock. Really, yeah. I'd, I'd only known. What Kevin Prendergast does you know in the routine he had with his horses to go to Howard's and it was a little bit different yeah I mean he, he's quite a character absolutely and
0: how was it as a as a stable jockey in terms of the the sort of you know you talk about your relationship with Donald and you were much younger then completely different character and there's this sort of kind of very able but slightly kind of um, manic firebrand of a, of a figure training the horses
1: yeah. Um, again, it was different, but again, I, I went as conditional. Graham Lee was the stable jockey, and um, yeah, you, you, you sort of sort of realised then there was more than one way to to, to train horses, really. Yeah. And there's no, you know, one, who's to say one's more correct than the other. But um, yeah, like it, it was good. I mean, I, like you were you were getting to sit on horses. Like at the time, there was like horses coming like fourth in a derby placed in an arc, you know, placed in the St. Ledger to go jumping. You know, like, th- they were, like, getting out of one Ferrari into the next one, you know what I mean? They're just different species to what, you know, now, because, look, now them horses are being shipped to Australia or mm-hmm. Hong Kong, but, like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Wiley was buying these horses to go jumping and, and they were, like, you know, I think the first um the first few, few weeks of me being there, he rode these three horses, first, second and third lot, and I think the three of them cost a million pounds. To go jumping. Yeah. Do you know like and and that was the, the that was the and that was then. Then. Yeah. Because like I mean, obviously Kevin Prendergast would have bought horse on a on a on a smaller scale. But yeah, so it was it was definitely um it was a big eye opener and I mean the talent they had at the time was, was phenomenal. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, and then obviously
0: Howard didn't have his licence anymore and things developed, but you've always found interesting interesting places and interesting slots to to move into the late Malcolm Jefferson was a man that you enjoyed a huge amount of success for. I mean you couldn't find two more different two more different characters
1: absolutely, but yeah, I've been lucky Nick that at every time one door sort of closed, another one's opened, and as you say, like different slots everywhere different people and like when I started riding for malcolm i mean we 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 developed we ended up getting some nice horses um you know graded horses and and that was the next step for me really um you know. You were obviously riding winners, and then you obviously got a taste for riding better winners. And you, you know, and mm. Malcolm was able to give me a few horses that you know were, were decent. And it was a shame that you know he got sick when he did, because um, you know we, we we had a real good team at the time. Uh, I, I know much has been made this week
0: of you being the first Northern based jockey since John Joe O'Neill in in nineteen eighty to, to, to win the championship. And obviously, it's a very significant achievement. You're already the fourth jockey in history to reach to reach two hundred winners. Um, do you scratch your head slightly at the whole north-south thing, given the fact that it's a very small country?
1: Well, it is. I was just saying to you earlier, like, it probably takes me the same time to get here as it does to get to Perth. Yeah, But, yeah, look, it is. I mean, look, probably is race more competitive in the south? Probably, yeah, you'd have to say it is. But you know, there's still some good trainers in the north and, you know, good owners and good race courses and stuff. So, like, I mean, you know, um, we think we can compete, as, you know, with the right Right, ammunition, but yeah, there's a lot said of the North-South divide, but it's what it is.
0: And and frankly,
1: it, it, it it's
0: I'm I just wonder whether you think it's a little bit overplayed.
1: In this day and age, probably you probably say it is. No, you know, um, but I mean that's for other people to worry about.
0: And uh, in your in your experience, are there trainers and stables and strongholds in the northern part of England and in Scotland? That you feel are going to you know, burgeon further and sort of get back to the days of the of the '80s when you had the the Dickinsons and the Gordon Richards and whatnot.
1: Well, you'd, you'd hope so. I mean, like, I mean, obviously Donald's got a big team and he's trained the most winners of anyone this season. And if you just send the Russell there, he's, you know he's, he's Grand National winners and, and and obviously Grade One winners this year at entry. so I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, trainers there that you know, given the firepower they can, you know, and, and the yards is only going to get bigger. Mm. So yeah, you'd have to say there is, you know, Nicky Richards has had a lot of good horses through his hands. You know, if them people get the, the ammunition, they, they, can, they can win races with, you know, with the best trainers.
0: And obviously such is your ability, and such is your record, and over 1500 winners, it's perfectly understandable for people to say, well hang on a minute, this guy's champion jockey, yet he doesn't have rides at Cheltenham, and he's not riding in the in the Grand National. Is that more because that's the way you want to play it, rather than necessarily how the game is playing you?
1: Well, yeah, I suppose really. Like, I mean, I've, I've ridden in the national, yeah. and ridden in Cheltenham, but I suppose get to the stage now where like I want to be going there competitive. I just don't want to be going there making up the numbers. So mm. if I had good rides at Cheltenham or an entry, I mean, I've had a lot of, I've had plenty of falls at the national, but the people I ride for just didn't have that nas- top national horse because you know. It's very, not very often you'll pick up a spare and win the national. Mm. Not this time, not this day and age. Because it is, it's, it's like you've got cold cup horses running in it now. So um, And hopefully if one of my trainers find one, I'd love to be competitive in them sort of races. But until that's the case, we just have to keep away from it.
0: But you don't have any kind of fear of missing out, you don't think? Oh, I, I should be there, I should be at the Cheltenham Festival I'm the champion jockey,
1: I'm one of the best in my profession, I ought to be on that big stage. I don't really look at myself in that light, but <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd love to be there Nick, but I mean we, we had we, had, we, had, we had an, uh, I meant to have a runner there this year, but obviously it rained a lot and the owner and the trainer decided there was no point running the a horse so. but yeah, but you know, I'd love to be going there with fancied rides but when you don't, there's not really much you can do about it
0: and do you? Th- and that's going back to what I was saying about your relationship with Donald. I very much get the feeling with him that he's so thrilled to have reached his personal best, and it clearly means a massive amount to the whole yard. There was a lovely video the other day of them all giving him a soaking when he got to the, was the 154th winner or whatever it yeah. was, and that he doesn't. He's ta- he's had that Cheltenham Festival success. Mm-hmm. He knows what it takes. He doesn't want to go there with a bit
1: like Paul Nichols with horses who can't win. Exactly. I mean, if he had the right horse, that's the first place he'd be. But until you, you know, stumble across that horse that can take you there. Like as you just said, Paul Nichols was light on runners there this year because he didn't have the... the horses he felt were competitive, so... Um, but, if, like I say Donald buys a lot of horses year in, year out, so you just hope that one year he, he buys one that is that good. You touched on something quite interesting there when I was... I, I mean, I'm allowed to
0: sit here and blow smoke in your direction because, you know, I can I can be immodest on your behalf, but you sort of rather bashfully said well I don't see myself like that how can you operate at such an elite level and not see yourself like that isn't the whole key to being an elite sportsman that you have to think you're the best at what you do
1: well, you have to have self-belief and I, I have massive self-belief but I, I don't think like I like I genuinely don't think that I'm as good as Richard Johnson or AP McCoy or ever will be because for me like, I have that respect for them that I, I believe that, you know, they they were the people I've watched getting into this game. And I don't feel that, you know, like, I'm still... A, I wouldn't be at their level. Genuinely. I just... It's just the way I've been brought up. What, why? What can I don't they know. Do? I what, just, could, what could they do that you can't? Well, they've written a lot more winners for me for a start. <laughs> and, like, when they've written all the championship race winners and national winners from APs with a national winner and, you know, Dickies written a lot of big winners. I just... You know, I just don't feel that I'm I'm there yet.
0: But I've got to be careful here, because I was going to say it's not all about numbers. But, of course, for yeah. you, it is all about numbers. So, <laughs> that, But, you know, I was trying to think. Um, Jorge Rivera and Russell Bays have ridden any more more winners than any of the jockeys in the in North and South America, but they definitely weren't the best jockeys.
1: I suppose they had numbers, isn't it? But, yes, yeah, okay, it just... I don't know. It's probably a weird, way to look at it, people. Probably won't understand it, but it's just the way I feel about it, really. Okay. So the bar
0: that you're setting. So you're putting you're putting these guys, rightly or wrongly, on on a pedestal to to which you know you have to aspire to. That is is that
1: fueling you? Is that giving you?
0: Impetus? Yeah,
1: I, I suppose it is really because I, I suppose I it gives me sort of the ambition to want to keep trying harder and harder just to you know to keep matching them because I think. When you don't have something to, not aim for, but as you say, fuel Mm. in you, I don't know, like you want to be giving it 110% every day. Mm -hmm. And um, if you didn't, or if you thought, oh, I'm here, I've reached, you know, I I don't want to take my foot off the gas. I just want to keep my head down and keep thinking I'll work as hard as I can to get to that level.
0: So you are... I mean, some people are goal orientated by nature. Other people aren't goal orientated. Those records, those numbers—the fifteen hundred and what was it? Fifteen hundred and
1: eighty-four, was it? Uh, like no, that. I think we've got nearly fifteen hundred fifty. two 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 hundred winners. But
0: that stuff actually, actually has a, an impact on you.
1: Yeah, I, I want I want to write as many winners as I can, and i am always—I'll never get to the to- totals that Dickie and AP did, but uh, I'd still like to aim to try and. Get as many as I can
0: uh, you're 36 which in jump jockey years in 2022 is not is not that old I mean 20 years ago you'd have been reaching retired, the of your, Yeah. Yeah um, or 30 years ago you'd have been retired at 31 32 um, Can you see beyond your life as a rider are you able to do
1: that? Um, not really I suppose I, like, I mean, I don't know I like, uh, my dad always told me if I didn't make it riding horses, I wasn't qualified to do much else. So <laughs> I don't know, really, to be honest. Good. Um, His glass was half full then. Yeah, well, yeah. he's was probably right, really. But um, look, I mean, I, I'm just focused on now, really. I I, I I, dare say I'll never train. I just, uh, I don't know if I'd get the same kick out of training a horse as I would a riding one. You're interested in it, though, aren't you?
0: No. I know. You, you, yeah, no. I mean, you're interested in the process. I'm not saying you want oh, to. do Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, well, actually, this 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 summer, we're, we're, my wife and uh, me setting up a little, like, pre, like pre, not pre-training, but like sort of a rehab thing for horses You know, for mm. for, for horses. And, so you are setting up a yard. Yeah, but mm. it, it's never ever with the intention of training. It's obviously Lucy's like, school teacher, and she just obviously wants to work with horses more than than the school teacher side of things. So that's what we're doing, but. It'll never be with the intention of training because I see the pressures the trainer's under and I think when I get to this stage of retiring, I don't think I'd want more pressure. You know, obviously, you, it, this job's been busy and, you know, up to that point, I don't think I'd want to then put a noose around my neck again, I don't think. You know how this goes,
0: don't you? You you build a yard. Yeah. Brian, you you train a couple of pointers for me. Not a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the drug addict who says, oh, "I just roll the
1: old joint. It's fine." <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, you know how this goes. Yeah, I'm I'm I can assure you that it will never go that far. But I, would it be fair to say that you are, are are as much a lover of the
0: horse as you are of winning and therefore they will always be part of your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone gets into this sport, yourself included, because mm. of your love, love of the horse. And um yeah. I like so, I like some horses more than I like some people, <laughs> but yeah, it's and it's just, everyone wants to win. No matter what you're doing, you want to be the best at, at what you do. do. Um, but yeah, it, it's still uh, I've still got the same appetite for it.
0: You you've used that horses and people line before. Um, and sometimes you give the impression that you're you're not particularly sociable or, or clubbable person. It,
1: is that the case or, or not? Probably a bit shy and a bit awkward, really, in in social things, and yeah, I don't do any form of social media or anything like that, because I just, you know, I have my family and my friends, and I don't really feel like to re- I don't want would like to reach out, you know, because I just I don't know I'm am a shy person. I just like to keep my head down and, and do my job.